G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. You know what my response usually is, right? It's like, wait a minute, you're telling me you don't want to honor God, but you want Him to honor you? Hello and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today we continue with the account of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and their example of being prepared for the dire situation they were placed in under Nebuchadnezzar's rule. But Nebuchadnezzar learned a lesson himself over in chapter 4 when he said, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honour the King of Heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. This is Today with Jeff Vines, and Pastor Jeff's message about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego continues. So they go and they tell the king, you're not going to believe this. I mean, we're sad to hear it. Can't believe it. But Shadrach, Meshach, I know we love them. God bless them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't bow down to the idol. King is ticked. He brings them in. He does two things. Number one, is it true, boys? Did you not bow down? And you can tell that King Nebuchadnezzar liked them. Because ordinarily, I think King would have said, okay, that's it in the furnace. But he gives him another chance. He says, all right, guys, let me, get, let me just make sure you understand. The music plays and you drop. And then he makes a great statement at the end of verse 15, chapter three. He says, if you don't do this, you'll be thrown immediately into the fiery furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Now understand, this is a rhetorical question. Nebuchadnezzar is not looking for information. You know, my mom asked me a rhetorical question most of my childhood. Do you want a spanking? (laughs) Uh, Young people, this is not a question when your mom and dad are looking for information. They're not waiting for you to say, well, you know, I was thinking on inviting my friends over for some backyard baseball, spanking. That sounds good. I'll try that. No, that's not what they're after. They're not after information. King Nebuchadnezzar is saying this. You better understand something. You're right here, right now. There's no escape. There's no way out. And you're in my hands. You obey me or else. But here's what's interesting. King Nebuchadnezzar, as he gives this statement, a rhetorical question rather, to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they treat it as a rhetorical question because here's their response in Daniel 3, chapter, uh, verse 16. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. Wow. You do what you want. But our God is able. Now, Paul, look up. I want to say something to you. Your God is able. He's able. No matter what it is you're facing, it is not bigger than God. No matter how horrible it is, atrocious it is, and how deep your pain right here in this room, God is big and he is able. When I was in Zimbabwe, the little African kids used to stand up. They'd do their arms like this. And then sing that song, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Who? (laughs) 
And I used to love them flexing their muscles to try to show us, give us visible representation of the power and strength of God. Our God is so big. But I think for most of us, we got no idea how big he really is. That's evident every time a skeptic comes to me and says, Jeff, I would believe in your God if he would just make himself visible. Well, the first thing I say, well, wait a minute. The earth is the Lord and everything in it. Romans 2 says, Romans 1.18 especially says that everything you see around you is the visibility of God. But think about what that person's asking. They want God to come out of a so-called hiding, his invisibility, and become visible. Now, can I ask you something? What would that look like? We're not talking about a theophany or incarnation here. God's eyeball is bigger than the earth. How big would that be? He would cover the entire galaxies. No, what you want is something that looks like you so you can diminish God and he's like you and you can do what you want. If God were to reveal himself, how could he do it without diminishing his vastness and how big he really is? He would cover the galaxies. God is big and there's nothing that you're facing that he can't do. He is able. Listen, how many marriages in this audience, in this church have been reconciled because of the power of God and forgiveness? How many people have been liberated from addictions in this room right now? How many damaged bodies have been healed? Plenty. I met yesterday morning with Chuck Dickey, who's been a member of this church for many, many years. 19 years ago, he was diagnosed with colon cancer. I sat across from him and he told me how the elders of this church, people came and prayed for him. If you talk to Chuck Dickey today, 19 years later, after being diagnosed with colon cancer, he's going to say this to you. God is able. God is able. That's why as elders, we go down on Tuesday before we have our meeting and we ask people to come who want to be prayed for and we pray for healing because we believe God is able. doesn't mean that everybody gets healed, but we know God is able and that's why we do it. I want revival. You want revival. I believe God is more than willing to move. And I think we're wrong when we say God doesn't heal because of our lack of faith. I don't think that's the issue because nobody has perfect faith. God's reluctance, I believe, is more associated with the fact that when he does do it, he doesn't get the glory for it. We say in our human wisdom, well, he probably wasn't that sick after all. And when I told you that story about Jeremiah, a lot of you are going to say, well, there must have been nothing wrong. They must have misdiagnosed it. How about they diagnosed it right and God healed him? The Bible is sure and clear. God is not going to share his glory with anybody. And when he heals, if you don't give him the glory, he's more reluctant to do it the next time. God is able. He's strong. He's mighty. But that's not the part of the message I want you to hear. That comes in our next series. You say, well, you sure spent a long time on it if you didn't. Well, it's important to know. But here is what I want to focus on. Because in my opinion, it is the, it is the most powerful statement of devotion anywhere in the Bible. Anywhere. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are living in captivity. Now think about it because I ain't, I'm not going to state it until we make sure we understand the power of the setting. They've risen to prominence. They hear this edict has been passed. They know it means certain death for them because it violates the number one command. They're not going to have any other gods before God. So they begin in their small group to get together, which is what you do. And by the way, just let me say, the people in our church who are hurting, those who are in a small group find healing. People who love and care for them. When you know that no man is an island and you live in community, there is a benefit of living in that community when the pain comes. There is a great price to pay when you try to face what you have to face alone. King Nebuchadnezzar makes the decree. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I think they meet in their small group. 
boys, there's no way we're going to bow down to this idol. But we need to decide right now, what are we going to do if the worst case scenario comes? So they begin to pray. They pray, okay, let's first of all pray that they'll never come to this. They're just talking about the edict, but it'll never pass. It passes. God said no to their prayer request. They prayed that Nebuchadnezzar would repent and go back to chapter two, where your God is the God of gods, Lord of lords, King of kings. God doesn't answer that prayer either. Denied. They pray that Nebuchadnezzar would maybe be converted and change his mind concerning the edict. God says no. They prayed they would be excused from it. King Nebuchadnezzar knew they were Hebrew boys. They only have one God. They weren't excused. They prayed that no one would notice, maybe. When they didn't bow down, people noticed. They prayed that if they didn't notice, they wouldn't tell on them. People told on them. None of those prayers that they would have prayed for days, who knows how long, none of those prayers were answered. Or maybe they were answered, and the answer was no. And now they're going to face the worst case scenario. Every escape has been blocked. The parachute is not open. They're facing an angry king, and opening your coat is not going to help. And here's what they say. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 16, reply to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar. Now, folks... Let me take a breath here. I want you to hear what's about to happen. I mean, th- this is stunning and it's convicting. Even if it's not for you, it is for me. I mean, this has been a week of thinking, man, where am I in this? Because they say, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God who we serve is able to save us from it. You know, the God who drowned Pharaoh's army, who fell Jericho's walls, who slayed Goliath with one stone. And here's the next verse. But even if he does not, We already decided, we made up our mind in the face of worst case scenario, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. I immediately think of Job's words, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. They're saying, if God does not deliver us and if we burn in the fire, we're still not going to worship, serve, or bow down to your God, King Nebuchadnezzar. I look at that and I think, man, that is not my life. Remember what I told you, don't put me on the pedestal. I keep telling you that. I'm just like you. We're in this together. That's not my tradition with God. My traditional conversation with God goes something like this. Oh God, if you'll just do this one thing, then I'll do this. If you'll get me the girl, if you'll get me the job, if you'll get me the promotion, if you'll hear the cancer, if you'll save my child, if you'll do this, then I'll go to church every week. I'll never ask for another thing. I'll start tithing. I'll even serve in the children's ministry. If you'll just get me out of this. That is the way I work with God. And it's the way you work too, if you're honest. You may not say it, but you think it. That's why Jesus in his earthly ministry said, I did not put my faith in their faith. As long as their faith was based upon Jesus performing a miraculous sign, Jesus said, I did not put my faith in their faith. Man, this is hard. Is my faith in God and my faithfulness to God contingent upon anything? Where's the line that I say, all right, God, I'm with you up to this point, and then you're on your own, and I'm leaving you. This is Today with Jeff Vines and his message, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're hearing about being prepared for life's unpredictable events and putting our faith in God no matter what happens. I went to Bible college. I had a professor that looked like Moses. White beard, white hair, a seven o'clock class on the life of Christ. And when you walked into his classroom, you wanted to take your shoes off. You felt like you were on holy ground. When you passed him in the hall, you kind of stepped aside a little bit. You didn't want to touch the garment of the holy man. Everybody loved this guy. But let me tell you, 
he had a little niece who was diagnosed with leukemia. And everybody went over to his house to pray for her. And he was positively confessing in a good way that God was going to bring the healing. He said, I already praise God for the healing he's going to bring. And his niece died. After long days and weeks of prayer, I watched this man change. I want to be careful here because I think all of us would go through some change, wouldn't we? We lose somebody we love. That's natural. But I never saw the recovery. He never was restored to that. And I can't help but to ask the question of myself. What prayer, if God didn't answer it, would change me in my devotion to him? You know how many women, I'm sorry, middle-aged, I'm middle-aged so I can say it now. How many middle-aged women I've counseled over the years who come in and say, you know, Jeff, I love this man. I know he's asking me to cross some boundaries I shouldn't cross, but I'm afraid if I don't, then the relationship will end. It might be my last chance at love. And you know what my response usually is, right? It's like, wait a minute, you're telling me you don't want to honor God, but you want him to honor you. You honor God right here. And he is more than able to provide a man that will love you, that will really love you for who you are rather than your performance. But I'm now I'm going one step later. Well, there's a step beyond that. What if he does not? What if God does not provide another man and you lost this one and another one doesn't come along? Is your faith and trust in God and doing what is right contingent on how God or does not or does deliver? I met an inventor, inventor in Savannah. Got all the pastors together. I want you guys to pray that my invention works because when I make a lot of money, I'm going to tithe to the church. Every time I hear that, here's my first question. Are you tithing now? It's not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. Are you giving out of the little that you have now? That'll tell me what you'll do in the future. Oh, but if God will just do this. But Jeff, you don't understand. I can't live. I can't go on. If God doesn't do this, Jeff, I can't make it. That's dangerous. You know why? Because now you're committing idolatry. You're bowing down to the statue. There is something that you're giving higher worth to other than God. Worship. Worship. You're worshiping an idol. And make no mistake, when God knows that, he reserves the right to take you to that line where your commitment is drawn and try to press you over it to see if you'll still be faithful. But Jeff, my heart is breaking. Why would not God intervene? I, I love this man or I love this woman or I love my father, I love my mother. It looks like they're not going to live. They're good people, Jeff. Why would God not release his divine energy and heal them? And let me tell you the answer to that. I don't know. I don't. No one does. But Nebuchadnezzar learned a lesson himself over in chapter four when he said, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven for all his works are right and his ways are just and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. Nebuchadnezzar says, you may not know now, but one day, if you could just look into the future, you'll know why God brought all this together because he will work everything together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. It might hurt at the time. It might. That's what makes these Old Testament characters on this trip so interesting. You know, they were all pretty, I mean, let me just say it. I know it's going to be a little offensive. They're all pretty rotten sinners. If you read the life of Abraham, yes, he did some good things. He did a lot of bad things too. For instance, like lying and saying his wife was his sister and other men slept with her. That's pretty bad. Moses, Abraham, Paul, all of them. They were just real people like you and me, but the difference is when God asked them to do something, they did it, that big thing, even though it was crossing the line, and even though they had no idea how it was going to turn out, they did it. The apostle Paul said in a prison for two years, 
He prayed to be released. He died. Every disciple became a martyr. I'm sure they prayed for God to spare their lives. They died. They didn't know why, and they probably wondered, there's so much good work I could still do. And God said, here is the ultimate work for you. You're going to die for your faith. I don't know why, but I know this. When I take my dog Milo to the vet, oh, he, it's the only time he fights me. He starts smelling. He says, I've been here before. I don't like this place. And he starts backing up. And he's a big dog. I mean, my dog weighs about 100 pounds now. And he's backing up and I'm pulling. And what he doesn't know is I'm really trying to accomplish good, aren't I? But he doesn't know that. Now listen, if the difference in knowledge and understanding between my dog and me is that great, how much greater the distance of wisdom and knowledge between me and my God? I don't know, but I do know this. It doesn't change the thing that the entire Bible, especially the Old Testament, as it builds this whole argument. And listen, this is the end of the message. All through the Old Testament. God says, The children of Israel, his people wanted a parent-child. Now listen, a parent-child relationship with him. And he said, I want that, but I want it to go, go beyond that. I need you to listen because some of you have never gone beyond this. Never. You're still infants in your faith. You're still saved because that's by the blood of Jesus on the cross, but you're still infants. You know what a child does, right? My son Delaney, my daughter Sion, when they were little, when they wanted something from dad, they each went about it a different way. Delaney would clean his room, spotless. Come look, Dad. I'd see it, and then I'd say, okay, what do you want? <laughs> Sion didn't have to do any work. She just would come and sit on my lap and bat those big blue eyes. I love you, Daddy. <laughs> you, you, you look around the room, all the girls right now are smiling. That's our secret's out. <laughs> but what happens when you say No. Then they slam the door and say, what? As they get teenagers, I hate you, daddy. You don't understand. Right? God says, that's the way you are with me. I give you so much. Then I don't give you the one thing that you think you deserve or you're entitled to. You slam the door and say, I hate you, daddy, and walk away. God said, dad, you got to go past that. I'm looking for a marriage, not a parent and child. I'm looking for commitment through better, for worse, for richer, for poor in good deeds. Till death do us part, or in this case, unite. I'm looking for somebody who's committed to the very end, even when they don't understand things, that they will trust me in my faithfulness, that I will have the ability and in fact will exact this whole plan of working everything together for the good. I'm looking for those type people, the type of people that say, even if he does not. Some of us, we've never gone past that because the marriage works both ways. It's a commitment on both sides. You say, Jeff, I don't know if I can do that. Well, hold on a minute. That's what God does with you. I'm sure there's never a day that goes by that you don't do what God wants you to do, right? And yet he doesn't leave you. Stays right there with you. You blow it really badly. God doesn't leave you. Not sitting up there with an eraser to erase your name out of the book of life. He's committed to you. And here's what God asks you. Are you committed to him when he doesn't do what you want him to do? Are you willing to trust that he's on the throne? That's why these Hebrew boys could do that. They believed in a sovereign God who had a plan. And even though we might be called upon to endure some pain, we always got to remember though, don't use that as a combat. God is able. I still tell every one of you facing it, God is able and can do it. What I'm asking you though, what if he doesn't? If he does not, are you still going to worship? 
and praise. Give your life to him. I want you to look at James chapter one, verse 12. As I close, look at this. This is how James put it. Another thing you might say, well, what's in it for me? Well, remember what's in it for you, an unshakable kingdom. That unshakable kingdom that you're a member of, isn't it true that, listen, that your prayer request that you be healed of your cancer, that your relationships be restored, that everything that is important that you pray for, isn't it true that the answer is, listen, always yes, just maybe not now. That, that's what it means to be in the unshakable kingdom. All disease is healed, all relationship restored, all significance gained. No more crying, mourning, or pain. But in James 1, 12, he says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved. That Greek word is to hold the diamond up and to see if it's the real thing or not. To suggest that the trials we face in our life is God's way of maybe not giving information to himself, but reminding you of who you are, that you are the real deal. Because the real deal remains committed when God doesn't give you what you think you want. How is the real person approved? He will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who what? Love him. God is after a love relationship between you and him. And that's the question I had just as we start. Do you love him? You say, Jeff, it sounds like to me that I'm facing the worst case scenario and your advice to me is suck it up and take it like a man or a woman. No, 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 no. But we have to start with this. Before we question God, question your allegiance. Are you in this for the long haul? And I'm begging some of you, man, to move past the infant relationship, the child-parent, move past it into the commitment for life. And the only way you're gonna be able to do that is if God gives you a revelation. You say, what, what? Well, if you really wanna love God the way he wants to be loved, he's gonna have to give you a revelation of himself and you're gonna have to understand the depth of his love that you might be able to reciprocate. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Here's your take home. I want you to pray for the next 30 days that God would reveal himself to you in a very special way. I wanna read the emails of people who really commit to this 30 straight days. Jeff V at ccvnow.com. I wanna know what happened. I wanna keep my file. 30 days, you pray that God would reveal himself in the depth of his love. And I want to tell you, he will move because if you seek God with all your heart, he will reveal himself. And then we will be positioned for revival because our love will not be contingent upon anything other than the nature, the character, sovereign God. And God will begin to move in your life and mine in a way that he's never moved before. Father, we are grateful for your goodness as always in times that we don't understand. We know that you are able. In our understanding, we struggle with that because we know because you are able, we wonder why, why you don't. And Father, you confront us with this question of our love and the marriage relationship, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. Are we in this for the long haul? I pray for forgiveness where our faith is shallow, where our trust is weak. I pray for those who are hurting. You would remind them this morning that you are able. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. 
That's the end of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. A look at putting our faith in God no matter what way our life goes and a reminder to store our riches in His unshakable kingdom. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 